the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Radio. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to Wake Up on Catholic Community Radio on this Thursday morning, the Memorial of St. Elizabeth. I'm Alicia Quibido with Damian Collado, Gabby Smith, and in with us in this Baton Rouge studio, Father Dwight Longenecker. So we're happy to have you with us. We're going to hear more from Father Dwight later uh, in the in the program. Let's start this morning with prayer. Please. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. O God, by whose gift St. Elizabeth of Hungary recognized and revered Christ in the poor, grant through her intercession that we may serve with unfailing charity the needy and those afflicted through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, St. Elizabeth of Hungary, pray for us. Yeah. Well, we have a great show in store. It's been a while for me. Uh, yeah, uh, welcome back. Thank how, you. How, how was the Holy Land oh, in my 10 goodness. seconds? The Holy, I just got back from the Holy Land yesterday. I haven't been back uh, on American <laughs> soil for very long. Uh, it was an amazing trip. I, I almost, there were times that, and if you can believe this, Damien, I was speechless. Wow. That doesn't happen much, no, right? No, not very often. Uh, it was an amazing experience. I can't, and, and actually, I thought it was going to be one of those things that I would do once, and I was... Just, well, we're going to have to have a I gotta segment. I got to go back. Bl- oh, block man. out some time to hear your story. Maybe Father Dwight and I'll chat a little bit about the Holy the Holy Land. You've spent a fair amount of time there. I was just there for two months on a sabbatical oh, earlier this wonderful. year. It was great. Oh, good. Well, we'll chat some more about it. But yes. uh, we're looking forward to visiting with Lori Graham. She is a nurse at Women's New Life Clinic. She is going to give their monthly update. And uh, Father Edward Broom will join us. He's an associate pastor of St. Peter Chanel Church. Uh in Hawaiian Gardens, California. So he will talk about the Oblites of the Virgin Mary and a new book that he has. And then of course, Gabby, we have Father Dwight Longenecker with us. Yeah, we're looking forward to speaking more to Father Dwight Longenecker today in a battery studio with Alicia and Jamie. And he's going to be talking about his book called The Secret of the Bethlehem Shepherds. And we're going to get to know a little bit more about Father Dwight and why he's in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a great time with Father Dwight. And uh, thank you so much for waking up so early and, and being with us this morning. But Damien, that weather, I don't know about you, but I think it's going to get colder tonight. And yeah. uh you know, it, 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 it is what it is. Right. <laughs> you know how C-O-L-D I feel about it. <laughs> is the word. That's right. Cold, and it's going to continue that way all day. High is going to be 55. Low is going to get down to about 30 tonight, so around freezing. So prepare accordingly, whether it be pets, plants, or you personally. And also, winds are straight out of the north right now, 5 to 10 miles an hour. And as I said, it will warm up tomorrow, though. That's the good news. By about five degrees. Don't get too excited. Uh, temperatures <laughs> in and around the area. Baton Rouge, it's 41. New Orleans, it's 49 degrees. Over in Homa Thibodeau, the Bayou area, 43. 
Gulfport, 44 degrees, and in Mandeville, Covington, 41 degrees. So uh, uh, not a lot of sunshine, partly cloudy skies today, but tomorrow we're going to get plenty of sunshine. That's why it's going to warm up a little bit. Oh. Now, I was thinking tomorrow morning when we leave, it'll be colder than this morning. No? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah, when you yeah. wake up, it'll be right Father around 32, 33 degrees. Father Dwight's probably laughing about being cold. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, from South Carolina? Louisiana people. Yeah, from the South Carolina. Yeah, right. okay, right. so... About the same temperatures here, almost. About the same, yep. Yeah. And uh, waking up early wasn't too bad because we're already one, one, one hour ahead. That's so. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's right. That's good. Well, <laughs> don't go too far. We want you to stay a little bit ahead of the game as we continue on Wake Up. It's five after the hour on a Thursday morning. Good Thursday morning to you. I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel is taken from Luke chapter 19. As Jesus drew near Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If this day you only knew what makes for peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. For the days are coming upon you when your enemies will raise a palisade against you. They will encircle you and hem you in on all sides. They will smash you to the ground and your children within you and they will not leave one stone upon another within you, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Thank you, Father Chris Decker, for today's gospel. Our first guest today is Lori Graham. She's an RN with Women's New Life Clinic, and today she joins us to give us their monthly update. Hey, Lori, thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, good morning. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Let's talk about the wonderful benefits of Woman's New Life Clinic. Of course, we always love to highlight them when we have you guys on every month. But let's talk about something that's so important, and that is an ultrasound. It is a, It can be a very life-changing event for many women when they first hear that heartbeat or see that ultrasound of their child. So tell us why an ultrasound is beneficial for women in unplanned pregnancies, because that's uh, kind of who you cater for at Women's New Life Clinic. You're there for those women. Sure. Um, it, it solidifies the reality of the pregnancy. You know, most of them, you know, they have an idea that they might be pregnant. They do a test. They see this pink line. And, and all it is is like all this immediate panic and crisis. And um, once we do the ultrasound, it, it adds to a layer of like this pink line now becomes a person, you know, it adds to the humanity of the situation, not just the, you know, like, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, we see it not only if we've experienced it ourselves when we hear that heartbeat for the first time, we also see it in, you know, TV shows, movies. It's a life changing event. So tell us how early can you detect a heartbeat? We can very, very, very often see a heartbeat at five weeks, five days. So it doesn't mean that the heart hasn't been beating before then. It's just that it's at, yeah, at that point it can be visible on the ultrasound. You know, our technology is just not good enough to see it when it first starts. But at five weeks, five days, which is pretty early, they can see it. Wow. What is the typical response of women who hear that heartbeat for the first time? 
Well, I, I will tell you the responses are varied, um, but I will tell you that whether they are, you know, happy or sad, the the ultrasound just emphasizes the humanity of the baby. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it 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 just adds one more bit of information for them to process what what's going on right now. Wonderful. You know, uh, Lori, since the overturning of Roe versus Wade over the summer, uh, women's clinics like yours are important, I think, now more than ever uh, and need to be on the forefront and and, in the front of people's minds whenever we talk about uh, where these women can go during a crisis pregnancy. Um, Tell us about the free uh, medical options that they have whenever they go over there because you offer free pregnancy tests, free ultrasound and so much more. Right. In our clinic, we have, um, you know, the the pregnancy center, which everything is free, free counseling, free, um, you know, to help them sift through the emotions of an unplanned pregnancy. We have the ultrasound, which is free, and we do a health assessment. But we also have our our practitioner, whom y'all have interviewed, Shannon, who does women's health care, you know, insurance-based or low-cost. So we always make it available and we always work it with a woman no matter what her financial situation is. And our point Thank is Thank you so much for all you do for her. Absolutely. Sure. Tell us a little bit I, about a uh, maybe a Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about a story, Lori, uh, of a woman who has come into Woman's New Life Clinic, considered an abortion, but uh, has the impact of seeing their baby on ultrasound. Sure. Um, recently, we had a young couple come in. They had just moved into the area, and um, they were thinking they were. Er- she was earlier in her gestation in the pregnancy, you know, and they were definitely set on abortion. But they came in to get the ultrasound, you know, as we suggested to confirm the gestational age and the heartbeat, and that the baby is in the uterus. And when we did the ultrasound, she was about ten weeks further along than she anticipated so you know she you could see this little baby she was about two weeks not two weeks she was about 10 weeks gestation but about two weeks further and you could see the baby moving and kicking and um they left just so sad and she didn't even want to accept a picture of the ultrasound which is fine because they can always come back later but then that was like on a monday then i want to say by friday they came in just radiantly happy joyful they decided based on what they saw on the ultrasound and and the encouragement through counseling that they could do this and they came in to get a picture of their baby and decided to um, continue with the pregnancy how can listeners help, Lori? This is such a powerful story, and, and I think a lot of women are in this situation or know someone in this situation. Where can they go to find out more information about you? Sure. They can visit womansnewlife.com, and if they um, you know, care to make a contribution, of course, prayers are always always welcome and what is you know the motivator. But, you know, we have to do material support, too, so they can, vi- they can go to visit womansnewlife.com slash donate wonderful thank you so much Lori Uh, with Women's New Life Clinic that's womansnewlife.com thank you so much for being with us today thank you take care 
Absolutely. They had a wonderful uh, Born to Run just a, a few days ago, and that was very exciting. I know it was kind of a chilly day, but it was so great to see so many people there, the pictures, and take a look at Born to Run New Orleans. That usually happens in the spring, so that'll happen in the spring of 2023. Take a look at that. Of course, we'll be talking about it once it gets closer. So, uh, But real quick, looking forward to Father Edward Broom whenever we come back from the break, which we're about to take. He's going to talk about compendium of the Miraculous, an Encyclopedia of Revelation, Marian Apparitions, and Mystical Phenomena. So that's quite interesting. Also, we'll learn more about our Saint of the Day. So stay with us. It is 15 past the hour on Wake Up. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for November 17th. Today we celebrate Saint Elizabeth of Hungary. A queen may be an unlikely person to be known for her love for the poor and suffering, but that's who Elizabeth of Hungary was and why the common people treasured her in 13th century Hungary. The daughter of Hungary's king, Elizabeth was married to Louis Thuringia at age 14. It was a happy union that produced three children. Under the spiritual direction of a Franciscan, she led a life of prayer, sacrifice, and service to the poor and sick. She wore simple clothing and each day fed the hundreds of poor people who came to the royal gates. After six years of marriage, Elizabeth lost her husband in the Crusades. Although grief-stricken, Louis's family expelled her from the palace, claiming that she'd squandered Louis's fortune. Eventually restored to her rightful position, she became a secular Franciscan and spent the remaining few years of her short life caring for the poor in a hospital that she founded and dedicated to St. Francis. Elizabeth died in 1231 before her 24th birthday and was canonized four years later. She is the patron of Catholic charities and of the secular Franciscan order. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. It is 19 past the hour. Thanks so much for tuning in to Wake Up This Morning. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Quibido and Damian Collado. Alicia, it's good to have you back in our studios today. It's good to be back. A wonderful, wonderful (laughs) pilgrimage. It's great to be here. Oh, my goodness. The pictures were absolutely marvelous. Thank you so much for updating us because we were all wondering what you were doing every day. (laughs) It's my way to keep Uh, a little journal. Yeah. (laughs) I was tired at night. I started off journaling about the first four nights and after that, but... Yeah, I'm going to go back while it's still semi-fresh. A, a, a place that just is, that is truly miraculous. I want to go there one day. I've never been to the Holy Land. One day I will go. Uh, but let's get to our next guest. Thank you so much for that update. Father Edward Broom now joins us. He's the associate pastor of St. Peter Chanel Church in Hawaiian Gardens, California. He's also a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. And today he joins us to talk about the book Compendium of the Miraculous, an encyclopedia of Revelation, Marian apparitions, and mystical phenomena. Good morning, Father Broom. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. 
Tell us a little bit about this book. I know a lot of people who are super interested in all of this, including myself. Um, I love marine apparitions. I love hearing a little bit more about them and, and learning about new ones. So tell us a little bit about your book today. Well, my initial intention was to write a book of about 25 chapters on marine devotions. But um, my editor was uh, insistent that I develop it all the more. So he said... Uh, not only Marian devotions, but also why not write um, some chapters on Marian dogmas? So I did that. I thought that that would probably be the conclusion of it. But he said, no, why don't you uh, also write uh, a few chapters on approved Marian apparitions? So I did that. And then um, he added... At the very, we had at the very end of the book about four pages on some of these beautiful Marian prayers, and uh, among which would be the um, litany of Loretto, the litany of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And then um, it took um, it took a while to have the book written because we had to get through the the pandemic. And um, actually, the first editor passed away suddenly, so I had another one to help me out. And then. Um, the uh, the pages of the paper had to be done in Europe, and you, if you really open up the page, and uh, is very very beautiful, as well as the art. The art is just breathtaking. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. it's really um, instead of simply being a book on Marian devotion, it's really um, you might even call it like a Marian encyclopedia. Uh, it's called Compendium, which is like a summary of of Mariology and. My my hope is that people, by reading this uh, this book, meditating upon it, will really get to uh, know who who Mary is, really uh, love Mary, uh, trust in Mary, consecrate themselves to Mary, and give themselves to Jesus through Mary, and by which they'll really grow in really grow in holiness, because as St. Louis of Montfort says that Mary is the quickest, easiest, and most efficacious pathway to Christ is through Mary herself. So that's um, that's really the, the, the origin of the book. And um, this uh, starting this Sunday in my parish here, I'm going to be giving a five-week course on the book itself, in which I oh. ask the people to get the book. And then um, they'll do what's called a Lectio Divina, Lecture Divina, which means they'll they'll meditate upon a chapter a day. So um, and then we'll come we'll come back every Sunday in the at one thirty. And after I give, I'll give an hour talk on on um, on the Blessed Mother. Then they'll they'll gr- break up into groups and be able to share what what was the the idea, the chapter that really seemed to captivate them most. So I I really mm-hmm. believe uh, I really really this book is going to do a lot to to uh, bring Mary into the lives of people. And, of course, Mary says in Magnificat, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Mary's always going to mm-hmm. be magnifying the Lord himself in all, in all she does. Yeah. So that's kind of a nutshell of uh, how this came about. 
My goodness. Uh, You know, I'm a little jealous of those who are attending that five-week study there because this is something that has always intrigued me ever since I was a young child. My dad would have uh, books on Marian apparitions and Eucharistic miracles uh, on his bedside table. So I was always interested in stuff like that. But one of the things that I keep hearing, I think as I've gotten older, are approved Marian apparitions, those that are pending and those that are not approved by the Catholic Church or those that are being investigated. So can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, there are some Marian apparitions that have been rejected. Others are kind of be under investigation, but there are those that are approved. And um, among the approved, I've written a short chapter on on the following. The one first would be Our Lady Guadalupe in Mexico, mm-hmm. which Our Lady appeared to Juan Diego in 1531 and she reveals herself to be am i not your mother and as a result of this operation we have um the miracle of the, of the roses being cut and and brought to yeah. the bishop and, and when juan diego opens up his telma he sees imprinted on his telma this beautiful image of our lady guadalupe and then once this operation is accepted within about 30 years of 8 million converts. So never in the history of the church has there been such a massive wave of conversion. So we have to say after Christ, Mary was the greatest evangelizer in the world by far. Then we have the the apparition of Our Lady of Lourdes, which took place in 1858 to this little shepherd girl. Her name was Bernadette Subiru. And there were actually 18 apparitions in the year 1858. And um, at the very end, uh, this was somewhat suspect, but when Bernadette was asked and the, the beautiful woman dressed in white with a loose sash around her waist, what is your name? Mm-hmm. This beautiful woman, she raised her eyes to heaven and she said, Je suis la Macaulay Concepcion. So she... She spoke, she spoke in French, the, the dialogue, the patois, which means, she said, I am the Immaculate Conception. This, I believe, mm-hmm. to be fabulous because uh, the year 1854, which would be just four years before, Pope Pius IX proclaimed the Marian dogma of the Immaculate Conception in the papal bull, in Afabilos Deus would be the papal bull, in which Pope Pius IX says that Mary uh, was conceived without original sin. So what Mary does is she does not contradict what the church teaches, but rather she confirms it. And then the uh, third Marian apparition that uh, I wrote about was uh, Our Lady of Fatima, which uh, which was yeah. the most recent of those three. And this took place in 1917 in a little town called Fatima. And she appeared to three shepherd children who were Jacinta, Francisco, Marto, brother and sister, and Lucia de los Santos, yeah, who would be their, their older cousin. And in 1916, the guardian angel appeared 
to the children. In 1917, Our Lady appeared to the these three children, and she actually appeared uh, from May, May 13th all the way up until October 13th. August, she didn't appear on the 13th because the children were actually thrown in jail for a couple of days, so she appeared a little bit later. Yeah. And um, every time she appeared, she gave a, a slightly different message, but every time she appeared, she said, pray the rosary. And she revealed mm-hmm. she revealed herself as the uh, a lady of the rosary. So those are three. Yeah. And I also, I also spoke about um, the apparition to Saint Catherine Labouré in 1830 in uh, in France. This would be uh, Saint Catherine Labouré, and she revealed to uh, this saint that she wanted the miraculous medal to be to be made and to be worn. So those would be wow. the the approved Marian apparitions that. Uh, you'll find in the book. Father Broom, we appreciate, uh, you know, the condensed history lesson on this, too, because I love hearing a little bit more about these, some of my favorite ones, especially Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, where can we pick up a copy of your book, Compendium of the Miraculous, an encyclopedia of revelation, Marian apparitions, and mystical phenomena? Well, you can um, order through TAN Publishers or Amazon.com. If you're in the area, you can actually come to our parish and pick it up at the parish office if you're in Southern California. <laughs> so those would be three of the three of the areas where you can pick it up. I love that. Thank you so much, Father Broom, for being with us today. God bless you. Thank you. Absolutely. This is so cool, you guys. Uh, Alicia, Damien, I think this is a great Christmas gift, uh, something that I think can be quite interesting. I love hearing about Marian apparitions. They also talk about revelations by Christ through the saints about heaven, hell, and purgatory. Interesting stuff. So anyways, definitely check that out. Yeah. Yes. Uh, By location. I love all that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Those are all can be found in his book as well. I linked it in the comment section for today's Facebook Live video. Father Dwight Longenecker joins Alicia and Damien and the Bannerage Studio when we come back from the break. It's half past the hour on Wake Up. Happy Thursday morning, everyone. Welcome back to Wake Up. Damian Colado along with Alicia Quibito and Gabby Smith. It's 35 after the hour. And with us in studio, live and direct, Father Dwight Longenecker. He is a Catholic priest at Our Lady of the Rosary Catholic Church in Greenville, South Carolina. He's a renowned speaker. He's an author of many, many books, including one that just came out, The Secret of the Bethlehem Shepherds. Good morning and welcome to Wake Up, Father. Good morning. What do you think about Baton Rouge so far? <laughs> it's beautiful down here on the coast. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> that much different than where, where you live, though. Yeah, you've got the Mississippi River here, which is, which is very different. <laughs> yeah, definitely different as far as that goes, as, as far as coastline goes. Yeah, both, we're a little flatter got the Atlantic here, right? versus the Gulf, yeah. yeah. So before we jump into your book, let's learn a little bit about who you are, because uh, our listeners are always curious when we have a priest on, a little bit about their background. Grew up as an evangelical. Grew up as an evangelical in Pennsylvania and uh, went to the fundamentalist Bob Jones University, where I became an Anglican. And uh, 
then went over to England to prepare for the Anglican ministry, uh, studied at Oxford, and then I was an Anglican priest for about 15 years before taking the step to come into the Catholic Church. And was that in 2006? Uh, no, we came into the Catholic Church in 1995. 95? Okay, yeah. so um, what was the conversion all about? Well, uh, in the late 1980s, the Church of England, remember this is in England, not in the U.S., mm -hmm. the Church of England was debating the vexed question of uh, the ordination of women to the priesthood. And that mm. uh, formed, forced me to look again at the question of authority in the Church. When Christians disagree, uh, and they're both, both, both camps are, you know, um, sincere, pious, prayerful, um, sacrificial Christians, who makes the call? Oh. Yeah. And yes. um, Catholics had a referee in the game. It was called the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, right. and, and so not just the Pope, but the magisterium of the church and the history and the tradition of the church gave the question of authority in the Catholic church much more weight and much more authenticity than we had in the Anglican church. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now I know we were talking about Alicia's trip to the Holy Land. You were there for two months on a sabbatical, I believe you said. Did you go there prior to becoming a Catholic priest, just to be curious and kind of research? I actually did a, a pilgrimage when I was an Anglican priest. Okay. A pretty exciting three months. I hitchhiked from England to Jerusalem, staying in Benedictine wow. monasteries all along the way. Wow. I was a much younger man then, of course, and could, <laughs> could manage that. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I'd been to Jerusalem before, but um, this was the first time to go on a, for an extended stay, and I was there for two months on a sabbatical, mm -hmm. um, a study sabbatical in Jerusalem. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, as a Catholic priest, you're, you were married before you became a Catholic priest. Yes, married what, as an Anglican. What is mm -hmm. that life like? I, I, when I talk to guys and gals, they always go, because we have a few priests in, in mm -hmm. our diocese who have been married before they became a priest. What's that life like for you? Well, there are a couple of different categories. Some of the um, men who were married were, of course, widowers who then, oh. who then are right. ordained and come into the Catholic priesthood. There are some men who were married and their marriage broke down and the, they received a, received a decree of nullity for their marriage. Mm -hmm. So they're therefore open and able to be ordained as priests. Mm -hmm. Then there are people like myself who um, were ordained and married in a Protestant denomination like Anglicans or, or sometimes Lutherans and Methodists. And when we come into the Catholic Church, the Church makes a special provision on a case-by-case -case basis uh, for us to have a dispensation from the vow of celibacy, which allows us to be ordained as, as Catholic priests. Okay. Wow. Okay. And your new book, The Secret of Bethlehem Shepherds, intriguing title because there are some of the guys we don't hear a whole lot about. And so tell us about the book. Does it die? Is it a deep dive into the shepherds themselves? Yeah. Or what? A, a few years ago, um, I wrote a book called The Mystery of the Magi, which mm -hmm. is looking at the um, who the, uh, the three the three wise men actually are. So I thought there's some room here to also look at the shepherds. So I went back to Jerusalem with the sabbatical uh, with the intention of digging in a bit more deeply and finding out some all we could about the Bethlehem shepherds. Okay, and you give us a little tidbit of what you found out so it'll intrigue them enough to go buy the book. Yeah, well, um, first of all, the Christmas narrative, the, the, we call the, the, the infancy narratives in Matthew and Luke's gospel, they're, they're only there in Matthew and Luke. In Mark and John, don't tell us about the, the Christmas story. Mm -hmm. 
These stories, um, more than any other story, stories in the Gospels, have been elaborated and added to through the centuries. Okay, they're very attractive stories. You know, mm-hmm. how can you resist um, animals and a baby and a mother <laughs> right. and Christmas time and winter and all the dramatic elements of you know being on the road, being refugees, and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. Right, uh, and. The attractiveness, the heartfelt attractiveness of the attractiveness of these stories, meant that over the centuries we've had an awful lot of an awful lot of elaboration, an awful awful lot of extra detail, in order to make it more interesting. Things mm-hmm. like the little drummer boy, or, right? Um, My favorite Christmas song, by the way. <laughs> Don't know why, but rum pum pum pum. I guess I can remember those words. Yes. Yeah, you know, the littlest shepherd, and yes. um, the idea that the magi were these mystical wizards from a faraway land, and there's you know the third yeah. wise man and all the fourth wise man and all these extra stories that have accumulated. And some of these things um, are beautiful and add to our Christmas traditions, but they're not actually in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. They're not actually there. So in both the mystery of the Magi and the secret of Bethlehem shepherds, I've tried to go back and find the historical, cultural, economic, political background for these things uh, in order to see what it was really like as, as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, not trying to discard all the extras, but to say we can cut past those to find out some of the facts, too. Very good. Yes. One of my favorite books you wrote was Immortal Combat. Right. And I, we only have three minutes left for this segment, but I want to touch on, if because Alicia may have some, a different direction, but boy, why aren't we talking enough about Satan and the evil that exists in our society today like we should be? Uh, because it's unpleasant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. that didn't stop Christ. <laughs> right. No, no, we need some more, some more, some more blunt speaking about what's really going on. Um, yes. The stuff that's happening in our society is actually really dark and repulsive. It is. Uh, but Satan covers it over with some frosting, mm. okay, yeah. and, and he uh, candy coats the whole thing. Mm. So uh, I, I'm really interested, for instance, in the way the, the mainstream media and the way uh, the secular educationalists will candy coat some really rather repulsive and disgusting stuff which is going on in our society. Yeah. 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 Right. And maybe we need to find a bit more courage to be able to speak bluntly about some of these things. Uh, I don't know if I have that courage, but... <laughs> you, your but, book uh, spells yeah. it out, though. Right. You even give suggestions on how to fight the evil one. Yes. You know, I think, is it, what's it, the seven swords or the ten swords? Ten. Ten. Yes. Yep. Share with us one of them, at least, you know, as far as that spiritual battle. Can you? <laughs> yeah, he's trying to be I, uh, Well, no, that's okay, but. <laughs> I haven't read my own book for a long time. <laughs> well, okay. But I, I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, no. but just you personally. What, yep. what do you do? Because, hey, you guys are attacked all the time. Oh, yeah. Yes. I think one of the main things that I come back to time and time again is to say to folks, look, Yes, there's corruption in society, there's immorality in society, there's corruption and immorality in the church, uh, there's some disappointing leadership in the church, um, there's all sorts of problems. What can you do about it? Mm-hmm. And what we can do is focus on what – we must all focus on what we can do with what we have where we are. Build families, build local community radio, build local schools, build up the parish. Do this joyfully and do this positively. Um, and don't worry yourself too much about what's happening in the Vatican or what's happening in Washington. Um, yeah, because when you start worrying, the evil one's getting the best of you. And ask yourself, 
what can I do about that anyway? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. What can I do about that? Roll up your sleeves and do what you can do with what you have where you are. Yeah. It's kind of like Mother Teresa. Nice. Yeah. One person at a time. Yeah. Right? The answer is lo- always local. Yeah. Local. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Mm-hmm. And pray. Yeah. Pray that rosary. Yeah. And pray locally. Yeah. It can be mm-hmm. overwhelming if you don't start with, with that smaller vision. With this, If you look at the whole problem, it can be overwhelming to task. But if you start oh, sure. right where you are with what you have, exactly. Great advice. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to delve in more with with the book or other books and topics as well with Father Longenecker. And uh, Alicia and he, I think, are going to have a few stories to share maybe about the Holy Land as well. So uh, stick around. We are going to be back. It is 45 after the hour on a Thursday morning. So glad you could join us here on Wake Up. It's 12 minutes before the hour. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Community Radio. You're listening to Wake Up. I'm Alicia Quibadil with Damian Collado, Gabby Smith, and our special guest, Father Dwight Longenecker. We're so happy to have you with have you here with us. Father Dwight is a Catholic speaker, author, and a Catholic priest, uh, and he is here on a visit in Baton Rouge. And what brings you to Baton Rouge just to visit with us? I'm sure. Well, I'm here for a speaking <laughs> engagement here this evening with the Legatus organization. Oh, wonderful! So talking about one of my books and um, being able to share with them a bit this evening. Wonderful. So, what book are you talking about? Not to this spoil one is my. Second latest book, which came out earlier, uh, I guess came out last year this time, which is called Beheading Hydra, a, a radical mm. plan for Christians in an in an atheistic age. Oh my goodness, that's fascinating. Can you hit some highlights in that? Yeah, um, what I've done is gone through, my, my, my basic thesis is that America today is an atheistic society. Yes. Um, however, unlike communistic atheism in Russia, where it was explicit, in the U.S. it's implicit. It's below the surface. It's... Mm-hmm. Uh, all very subtle. So I discuss 16 different isms or 16 different ideologies, which are very common in America today, things which we take for granted, things which are just part of our culture, which are deeply atheistic in their principles, and how this is changing our mindset and changing the way we view the world. And then in the second half of the book, I give uh, antidotes to that. Oh, wow. That sounds fascinating. Okay. Now, are all your books uh, published by Sophia? Uh, most of the recent ones are published by Sophia okay. Institute Press, but um, others are published by Our Sunday Visitor and Ignatius Press and various others. Okay. Mm-hmm. And our, our listeners can go to your website and find out more information yeah, about Yeah, DwightLongenecker.com. Okay. And uh, I blog there almost every day, and there's Wonderful. lots of archives material and some video some and audio material, too. Wonderful resource. Mm-hmm. Wonderful yeah. resource. So you do all this. You, you're a pastor of a parish. Uh, you are a speaker. You ha- are quite the author. And you have a family, a wife and children. Four children, yes. Okay, okay. so you're a busy guy. Yeah, yeah. The, the, kids, the kids are grown up, but I also okay. um, say to my parish staff, uh, I must be free to do what only Father Dwight Longenegger can do. In other words, fa- a father yes. as a priest and um, Dwight Longenegger as a writer, what can I do that you can't do? Okay, and then you do what I don't need to do. There, there you okay? go. That's, so, and that's they're very good. I have wonderful staff and a great parochial vicar. Uh, who himself is a married former Lutheran priest. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And um, 
So no, we manage. Okay, okay. Well, I want. I know that you had great support from your staff and from the parochial vicar. I assume for for you to be in the Holy Land for two months on sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Now, did your wife visit with you, or did you go alone? No, she's pretty independent. She okay. um, she, she has her own business, so she was busy oh, running her business, okay. and I took two months and. Also, I was living in uh, with the Dominicans in Jerusalem oh, sure. so in a monastery, so mm-hmm. that was probably not appropriate probably, for her to come and spend right, time with right, me. Right, right, not to do it on your way. Okay. Wow, it was such a profound for experience for me. I just we just uh, landed in New Orleans yesterday afternoon mm-hmm. uh, from eleven days in the Holy Land. Uh, way more than I had anticipated. The experience uh, affected me considerably more than I had. You know, it's one of those things that people talk about it being on your bucket list. And I thought I'm going to go to the Holy Land. I think, yeah, I think the thing which the Holy Land, which sometimes they call the fifth gospel, yes, okay, yes. because it's such a profound experience. The main bottom line experience of visiting the Holy Land on a pilgrimage is this. Um, too often we have made our faith, our Christian faith, just a compendium of good ideas or experiences or histor- even yes. historical facts. Um, we, we turn it into this kind of spiritual sort of worldview or philosophy. And when you go to the Holy Land, when you go to Jerusalem, you say, this really happened. The angel Gabriel visited the Blessed Virgin Mary in this place. Mm-hmm. These rocks and these stones will actually speak. They were here. When you go to Jerusalem and you go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, you actually visit and pray on the site of our Lord's crucifixion. Mm-hmm. The archaeological evidence come in, and by the way, I should say, visiting the Holy Lands in our day and age, we have in the 20th century developed uh, the sciences of anthropology and archaeology and textual evidence. We know more about the Holy Land and the history of the Holy Land than our ancestors ever did mm-hmm. over the last 2,000, well, at least 1,500 years. Yes, yes. Uh, so when we go there now, we can really say with accuracy, this is where Jesus walked. This is where he lived. This is where the apostles were. This is the, where the Blessed Virgin Mary was. It's it's really astounding. That's amazing. One thing that really hit me being in Bethlehem itself, uh, we had the opportunity through the program that we went to. It's called Sharing the Bread, and we actually went to the home. Uh, we were divided up in small groups, went to homes of, of Christians in Bethlehem. Yes. And it was astounding to me, and, and maybe it's just because I haven't been aware, the very small percentage of Christians and even smaller still of Catholics. Is that something that surprised you as well, or did you? I, I was aware of the, the troubles in the Holy Land and what's going mm-hmm. on, and basically the Christians in the Holy Land are being pinched from various different ways. Yes. Okay, they're being pinched by the by the Muslim majority in mm-hmm. Pal- in the in the West Bank and in, in the Palestinian areas. Yes. Uh, they're being pinched by the Jewish authorities who are tolerant of the Christian presence, but if we're frank, there are certain Jewish voices who would be quite happy for the Christians to leave the Holy yes, Land. Yes. Uh, they're also being pinched by economic and political factors. So uh, the Christians in the West Bank, for instance, are perceived by the Jewish authorities, first of all, as Palestinians, mm-hmm. and only secondly, as Christians. Therefore, they, they're being pinched um, politically, um, socially, economically, yes. uh, in ways which are making a lot of them simply say, right, 
let's get out of here. Really, and so, exactly. so they're emigrating, they're moving out, and the, mm-hmm. therefore the Christian population of the Holy Land is continuing to shrink. It's really, it, it, it's sad. And the family we visited with, it, you know, their, their income is at the point where it's very difficult for them, but, but it is, it is uh, not even an option for them to send their children in the, to the public school system because it is a Muslim-based system yes. that they have to go to a Christian school or Catholic school, and that that often is uh, very much a, a financial strain and difficult mm. for them to do. Yeah. Uh, and then this particular family, the wife said, if she had the opportunity, they would leave. And her husband said, absolutely yeah. not. They will never leave mm-hmm. uh, Bethlehem. Just just an interesting uh, perspective that I hadn't really thought about before and how difficult it must be uh, to be there. Also uh, visiting with, uh, we had a, a Jewish tour guide when we were below the Wailing Wall. And he talked about how important it was in, in our culture. It seems that we're erasing some history. And he talked about how interesting, how, how important it was for them to talk about their Jewish history, that their history history is our history you know that we so much of of our story comes from from there yes so uh, so so fascinating father dwight longenecker i'd love to visit with you longer unfortunately (laughs) we're coming to an end so let's give folks that uh, the website one more time so they can find out more about you yeah come to dwightlongenecker.com i blog there most days and there's audio and visual content and video content as well as uh, my bookstore uh, to connect with all of my books and and uh, be in touch good and that is long and necker with an e uh, it's long E N Necker. That's so, right. So <laughs> uh, before we leave, we'll end uh, end our show with a prayer and a blessing. Right. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which inspires such wonderful works like local Catholic radio. We pray that you will bless this radio station, bless all of our listeners and our hearers, help them to live the gospel and to speak the gospel uh, through their daily lives. This we pray through Christ our Lord and the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Father Dwight. Wonderful. Wow. Wonderful. Great interview. And uh, we appreciate him joining us super early in the Baton Rouge studio. It's always a great time to have guests join us, whether in New Orleans or Baton Rouge. But thank you guys so much for tuning in this morning. We'll get you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. We have another great show lined up for you. Michael Borg joins us. He is the executive director of St. Vincent de Paul in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. He's going to give us an update of how they're doing, especially during this giving season. Jeff Young, the Catholic foodie, joins us. And Father James. Damon David talks about the Feast of St. Margaret of Scotland, which was just a few days ago. So he'll give us a little bit more insights on that. Have a wonderful Thursday and a great day. God bless. is a production of Catholic Community Radio.